It's easy to have faith when life is good. Faith in humanity, faith in the goodness and meaning of life, and faith that behind it all, there is a real God who is with us and loves us. But then life happens, real life, hard life. Nothing turns out quite like we think it will. If you've been there or if you are there right now, I get it. Boy, do I get it. And that is why I am glad you are here. Because when you and I choose to pull together rather than push apart, the very thing that held the power to destroy us becomes the means to helping us find the life and relationships we've always been looking for. I'm Michelle Cassatt, and welcome to This Undone Life Together. Good morning, everyone. Michelle Cassatt here for another edition of This Undone Life Together. And uh, I have been absent the last couple of weeks because the first week we had a blizzard and internet and cell went out, and then I was traveling for spring break and out of town. But I am so glad to be back together with you today. Uh, and today I'm going to be talking about the single most important strategy to diffusing a charged situation. Uh, there's not any of us that go through life without encountering high-intensity, high-emotion situations, whether just personally or in relationship or whatever else. And so over the last several years, uh, I have, uh, from my own experience, but also from my own research, have become somewhat of a, of a self-taught expert in trauma. Uh, pain and uh, and the way that we as humans respond to that and so what I want to talk about is what I have discovered what I have learned based on all the research and my own experience what is the single most important strategy to diffuse a charged situation I promise you you'll be able to use that today most likely <laughs> definitely within the week so this is super important uh, just to give you a little context this is uh, just a weekly, unplugged, real conversation that I have with you about this Undone Life Together, which means I basically talk about topics that are hard conversations, hard things in our places of pain and discomfort and suffering, and hopefully shed a little bit of insight and, most importantly, connection and relationship to help us all process through this Undone Life Together. So uh, to begin, I wanted to share a story with you. First of all, I had planned on talking about something entirely different today. And then a half an hour ago, I had a circumstance that completely changed the course. And so because you know I like to keep it real with you and uh, give you an inside peek and just like everyday kind of stuff, I thought, hey, I'll just go ahead and share it now. So a half an hour ago, I was in the kitchen making my hot tea and uh, taking my vitamins. And I happened to, uh, I, I choked while I was taking my vitamins, making my tea, everything. Now you need to know uh, as a result of uh, head and neck cancer that I've had three times over the last nine years, uh, my trachea, the um, the connector between my trachea and the esophagus, there's a flap that closes off your trachea. So when you eat food, you don't inhale food, and when you breathe, <laughs> it goes. The air goes to your lungs. Well, because of um, chemo and radiation, all the surgeries, that flap doesn't always close well for me, which means choking is a daily occurrence for me. Uh, I'm just letting you know that's a reality, uh, and I have learned to adjust to it for the most part. However, this morning, I had a choking episode that was by far the most severe I've had to date. In fact, uh, for several minutes, I was having a hard time getting any air in. Uh, as I was taking my um, vitamins, one of them's a liquid vitamin, it, it did not go down the right pipe, as they say, and uh, it completely blocked 
my trachea, well, I shouldn't say completely, probably 80-90%. And so only a very small amount of air was able to get in. And so it was a um, pretty traumatic and threatening situation. Thankfully, my husband was home. Uh, he heard me uh, falling apart upstairs trying to get air in. It was making a lot of noise because I couldn't get air in. And so he ran upstairs and helped me through that process. Uh, but let me tell you, that was obviously a very threatening situation. So what happened is, and this is reminding me of some of my research, it was a very real threat, okay? So how our bodies respond to any kind of threat is we have panic. Uh, we want to take control immediately, right? We want to dive in, take control of things. Uh, we start pacing. Uh, we have untempered communication. In other words, I sort of, I couldn't, I could only get tiny bits of air in. My dog noticed that I was panicking. So she was, of course, because dogs are extremely selfish. She's like, pay attention to me. I don't know what you're doing, but pay attention to me. So she was jumping on me and uh, she wanted me to take care of her. And uh, so the only two words I could eke out with a little bit of air I got was get her. So I was very bossy with my husband, but this is what happens when we're in a triggered state. Panic, control, pacing, kind of harsh communication, shaking. I was physically shaking, rapid heart rate, um, shallow breathing, like I had very little air, literally. Um, all of this was happening as I was trying to get air in. Now, what I want you to do, I'm not just telling you the story so you feel sorry for my choking episode. What I want you to understand is that my body had a response to a physical danger, a danger, right? But for those of us, uh, anytime we have a perceived threat, and this happens, conflict in marriage, uh, when our kids are being rebellious or having a hard time, when a colleague uh, does something that we don't like or appreciate, when somebody disagrees with the way that we're leading or doing our job or whatever, what that happens is the brain perceives that as a threat. And so, uh, and to different degrees based on our own history and baggage and everything else, right? So anything that is a perceived threat, and this morning my choking episode was a real threat, um, but even a perceived threat, our body responds uh, to that. Um, it sniffs out danger and it reacts to that. Uh, without going into too much detail, your brain has multiple different parts. So you have the brain stem, which is kind of your fight, flight, um, freeze response. This is my hand model. I do this. I learned this from uh, uh, Dr. Daniel Siegel and Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, among many others who write about this. The hand model of the brain has been very helpful for me. So you have your brain stem. It's at the base of your brain, and it's your fight, flight, freeze response. And really, you have no control over that. That's just your instinctual response to danger. Then you have the soft center of your brain. This is your amygdala. This is what is the smoke detector of your brain. It sniffs out the danger and creates kind of an emotional response to it. And then you have, and this is in the center here, and then over the top of that, you have your frontal cortex, your prefrontal cortex right here, which is your executive function, your ability to make decisions, not reactions, okay? So what happens, though, is when this threat center part of your brain is activated, uh, and the smoke detector, the amygdala senses that something's wrong, we need to do something, uh, your prefrontal cortex goes offline. So it's what we call flipping your lid. You flip your lid and you are operating from pure instinct, okay? Pure instinct. You are reacting to a perceived threat. You guys hanging in there with me? This is actually so, this has been hugely helpful for me in my work and my personal life, as well as my own health. Okay, so you're, you flip your lid, your prefrontal cortex goes off. Um, offline, which means you have no ability to make 
reasonable responses at that point. You were purely in survival mode, which is what was happening in the kitchen a half an hour ago. I was trying to breathe and wasn't sure I'd be able to. Uh, and so I was a pure, pure lizard brain, uh, brainstem, fight, flight, freeze. And I was in that fight mode. I was fighting for breath, air, and didn't want to die and pass out. So anyway, that's what happens. Now, what I want to share with you is that when we get into conflict, okay, so when somebody challenges us, somebody criticizes us, somebody um, disagrees with it, or even if we enter into a situation which feels eerily similar to a traumatic situation that we've had in the past, right, something that feels similar even if it's not, if our brain perceives that as a threat or danger, it is very easy for us to go offline, right? Any of you who have ever gone off the handle before? Anybody ever reacted and later you're like, why did I react so strongly? What was the big deal? All right, have you all <laughs> done that at some point in time? Please tell me. Uh, you're basically operating from this instinctual response, which is fight, flight, freeze, uh, and you are just trying to get back to a place of safety, okay? And so what we need to do is there's certain strategies that help us reconnect the prefrontal cortex so we can get back into a place that we can make decisions, not reactions, all right? Once we've flipped our lid, we have to reestablish safety in order to uh, bring our prefrontal cortex back online, right? Hang with me, there's so much takeaway with this, I promise. Okay, so I was choking in the kitchen this morning. Uh, I was panicked, my dog was, freaking out, not because she was worried for me, because she's going, hey, pay attention to me. I don't know what you're doing, but I need you right now. Uh, none of that was helpful. I was panicking, pacing, trying to get air, all of this kind of stuff. Um, so I was in fight mode and trying to survive. My husband comes upstairs. Now, this is what I want you to know. In all the research that I have read, and I've read a lot of books on um, trauma, pain, and how to recover and heal from that, both because of my history, my extended family's history, as well as my children's history. The single most important ingredient or single most important factor that must be um, present that gives the highest, uh, the highest results, okay? The single most important uh, ingredient that brings healing and wholeness and helps the triggered brain to come back online is, you ready for this? The presence of at least one stable, significant other. All right, the most important thing in those moments that helps bring us back online and calms a diffused situation is the presence of at least one single, um, at least one stable, significant other. So my husband came upstairs. Now, when he came upstairs and he saw me choking, what would have happened if he started barking orders at me at things to do? What if he would have told me, well, what did you take your vitamins for? You know they cause problems. What if he started criticizing what I did and told me there was a better way I should have done it? What if he would have come upstairs and, um, and just stayed back and said, well, you got yourself into this mess. You're going to have to figure it out. Uh, what if he uh, just was talking too much? 
uh, what if he was, you know, he was the one that bought this particular vitamin. What if he started defending himself and the fact that he bought the vitamin so it's not his fault, right? None of that would be helpful. What was helpful, the first is, is he couldn't do anything for my crisis, okay? He was available to do the Heimlich, let me tell you. <laughs> and he could have called 911, but we weren't at that place yet. Um, but he entered in and was physically present with me, okay? Now, I want you to translate this to conflict, hard conversations, uh, a struggling situation in your marriage, uh, maybe kids who are struggling, maybe a colleague situation, an employee situation, a church, whatever, okay? Any kind of charged situation. What is our typical response when we face a charged situation? I'll tell you what my typical response is. I immediately want to fix it. I want to defend myself. I want to, um, to problem solve it right away, right? To say, well, this you did wrong and you should have done this and we needed to do this instead of whatever. In the heat of the moment, when, when the brain is offline, all of that reasoning cannot connect because your frontal cortex is offline. No amount of reasoning or defending yourself or arguing or anything like that is going to make a lick of difference because the brain is in pure survival mode. All right, and the brain will interpret any of that defensiveness and arguing and criticizing and pointing out flaws as further attack, which means that the brain will stay in an unsafe place, okay? So if we want to diffuse a charged situation, if we want to bring it down and get to a place where we can problem solve and we can discuss it, First and foremost, before you can do anything else, you have to connect. You have to connect and create safety. No, um, there is no conversation that you can have. There is no problem solving you can have. There is no amount of defending yourself or building your case or arguing your point that is going to help until you establish connection and safety. The most important thing you can do is to enter in, be the presence of a safe, significant other in that situation, in the situation as it is, okay? Uh, think of this in terms of your kids when they are, okay, I have six of them, okay? And all six of my kids are extremely talented at negotiation and arguing, all right? They're so good at this. <laughs> they will argue all day long about something, right? And they want to make their point. My grown sons as well. All right. At some point, um, continuing to argue back and forth on something doesn't accomplish anything, especially if they're in a triggered state. So the first thing that I need to do is listen to enter in and say, tell me, tell me what's going on. Tell me more. Uh, tell me how this feels for you. I want to know where you're at. Uh, and you bring, you listen, you engage without any agenda to make your own point, okay? You're establishing safety. When my husband entered in, there's nothing he could have said to fix it, but he stood there with his hand by my side and I felt safe, all right? Because I knew he was there with me and I knew if I passed out and turned purple, he would call 911. He was there, okay? He, that was the best thing he could do for me at that point, all right? But what happened is it immediately brought down my panic a little bit, which allowed me to get a little bit more air in. Okay, so I want you then to think of that in terms of in conflict, all right, in conflict, the person across from you who you're engaged in conflict with, their brain is feeling attacked and threatened in some way. 
They're not getting air in, in other words, okay? Metaphorically, they're not able to breathe. So your presence, though, helps bring a measure of calm that allow all of you to breathe, which then enables you from a place of safety to problem solve. But connection has to be in place before you can correct. Uh, this is a phrase that I have heard from a therapist that I've talked to as well in the, the research, but you must connect before you correct. Connect before you correct. It doesn't mean that there doesn't need to be correction. Side note, once I finished choking, <laughs> once I was able to breathe again, the adrenaline response you know, started to taper down. Well, my body's response to that was I was shaking uncontrollably. Um, I started trying to do deep breathing to regulate myself again, and then I burst into tears, all right? I wasn't sad. It was purely the backside of the adrenaline response, all right? So my brain did a job. It protected me, but that adrenaline response has a cost to it, and some of that means that you just have to expend that extra energy that built up. So there was nothing wrong with bursting into tears. It was what my body needed to do to deal with what just had happened. And sometimes when we come to a place of safety, you will notice that you will burst into tears or the other person will burst into tears, or maybe you'll just have lots of exhaling, which is a sign that the, the brain is coming back online. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, but we need to enter into that space. And so after I burst into tears, then my husband and I problem solved. We talked about, hey, do I need to go back to the doctor and talk about maybe there are some things we can do to minimize my choking response. Um, I talked about maybe I need to get recertified in the Heimlich. And I told my husband, I want to make sure you're clear on what to do if this happens and it's more severe. Uh, even things like I, you know, I cannot eat and walk at the same time. It's too dangerous. So learning to be able to sit down and eat and talk um, or eat without talking to create safety. All that to say, once I was in a place of safety and my brain came back online, we could problem solve, right? Then we could talk about, okay, what can we do in the future to try to minimize or prevent this from happening again? But if he would have started that before I was safe, it would have been offensive and it would have actually made things worse, okay? So think of that in terms of conflict as well. It's so important, all right? You have to view it when somebody is having a heightened response and you're like, oh, they're being ridiculous. There is something that's making them feel unsafe. What can you do to enter in and to be present without being defensive, attacking, or problem solving in the middle of the crisis? And then problem solve on the back end. Now, I, as I wrap up this, I want to turn it to you because the truth is, is you're going to have moments where you get triggered, where you go into that fight, flight, freeze response. You don't see it coming. It triggers you. Something happens. Somebody says something. It takes you right back to that place where you are reactive. All right. You're either running away and withdrawing. You're freezing and paralyzed and can't do anything. Or you're in that fight response where you're just downright hostile. <laughs> okay. What can you do for yourself in those moments to create safety? Uh, some of that breathing helps immensely, believe it or not, having a, a regular pattern of breathing. Uh, different people suggest different processes, but there's the, basically do a four second square. You inhale four seconds. I think this is Brene Brown that mentions this. Inhale four seconds, hold it for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, um, and hold it for four seconds. And you do that, you know, maybe eight or 10 times, do that four second pattern, it's 16 seconds at all, you know, maybe 10 times, and that will help bring your brain down to a place of regulation. However, 
Um, journaling is another way. Now, journaling is a means of you connecting with yourself. So processing, writing down what's going on with you is a way to get your brain back online. So even if it's ugly and nasty, writing it down in that fight, flight, freeze place helps you to get it out, connect with yourself, all right, that connecting with your own humanity uh, helps you to process that. But then, honestly, it's really one of the best things you can do in those triggered places is to find a safe, significant other. Uh, if you have a friendship, a relationship, a marriage, a, a family member, somebody that is that safe person, and to be able to say, I'm totally triggered right now. I'm, I want to run away. I want to fight everybody. I want to punch a wall, whatever it is. This is what's going on. I recognize it. I see it. I need you just to, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to be with me in it. And in most cases, when we do that, it only takes a few minutes for us to bring ourselves back to a place of calm and to get our brain back online. So anyway, that's my takeaway for you this week, is I want you to pay attention to charged situations. I want you to look for a charged situation this week, either in yourself or somebody else, like either a personal thing where you're being charged or you're in a conversation where it is. And I want you to put on hold your tendency or instinct to respond with defensiveness or explanation or problem solving, any of those kind of things. I want you to pause it and I want you to connect before you correct. I want your first thing to do is to connect. And all you need to say is, I'm here. I hear you. I see how this is affecting you and it matters to me and I'm not going anywhere. Do that. And then once everybody gets to a place of calm, then problem solve and then come back around and let me know how this has um, how this has worked itself out for you in your practice, how it's impacted you. If you've seen positive results from it, it's one of those things that will take practice to learn, but it is so worth it in the end. And I hope you guys don't have to deal with choking, but let me tell you, this will keep your relationships from suffocating. If you can learn to connect before correct. All right, thank you friends, it's so much fun. As always, hanging out with you, I love doing this undone life together. All the best to you, I'll see you next week. Whatever led you here today, I want you to know two things before you go. You aren't alone, not even close. And two, you matter and your story matters. We need you more than you know. Thank you for joining me today, my friends. Have a question or comment? Share it below, please. Do you know a loved one who could use a little hope and community too? Share this episode with them. And to be sure you don't miss our time together, subscribe to this podcast and my YouTube channel, and you'll be notified each time I post a new episode. Until then, brothers and sisters, I love you. And I love doing this undone life together.